hate bullies. Mm. So I was bullied growing up a lot. I grew up in a little tiny town. You know, I kind of was not in the cool group, the cool kid group. I had bullies and the IRS is a bully. Mm-hmm. They and and you know they've hired all of you. They're going to be hiring eighty seven thousand new agents, and they're going to go to the they're going to go to the low hanging fruit first, which is small business owners. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Innovative founder guests, welcome to Bob and Brandon. Bob, what is going on this week in your life? What's been happening? Basketball started up. So I coach a high school basketball team, sophomore boys. I do that every November, December, January, and February. It's at my alma mater, and it is my 37th year of coaching. Good so gracious. I am 92 years old. No, I've been coaching <laughs> since I was 16 years old. So this is wow. my 37th year of coaching. Wow. Love it. Love it. Good, good time. You know, it is snowing in Chicago today. So this is this is just the time of year to get inside and, and do that. So I haven't literally talked to you in a week because you were you were having a hoedown or a something. hoedown yes <laughs> excuse me i was in i was in a houston no i was in austin some like <laughs> texas some place um at a uh, group called baby bathwater we actually interviewed michael lovich here a few weeks ago and his his episode oh was- they remember michael lovich oh yes michael michael hysterical uh so this is an event by baby bathwater and it's a it's a lovely group of entrepreneurs very conscious very personable, just great, great people uh, helping each other. And we have a fantastic time. So we we had this uh, resort in Texas somewhere and it was a Western theme. And so Bob, you'll be happy to know with a, a Tuesday night, uh, we, uh, we had a uh, bolo tie contest, best bolo tie. Won. And I won the bolo tie. Did you tie. design a bolo tie? I designed the bolo tie. So what okay. I did it's a little morbid, but bear with me. So I, you know, being the crafty little fella I am, I went and I, I hot, I, I grabbed like a baby doll from from the store, and okay. I, I kind of cut it apart. So I had the little plastic feet and hands and a head, and I made the head the top of the bolo tie. Oh so, gosh! I, not only did I do this, oh, it gets better. So you know, so I had the feet. So your bolo's got the two strings, right? So I had put the feet on the bottom of the bolo tie. So the feet were dangling. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with the hands? So I kind of made the hands dangle under the head. And and then to accentuate it, because I'm fabulous, I went and got one of those battery-operated blinking Christmas light things that you get and you can put into stuff in your house. And I got one of those. And I wrapped the bolo tie. And so as I walked around for dinner, I made this grand entrance at like 7 o'clock at night. And my baby and my bolo tie are blinking. Nice. Um, and it, you know, it was a showstopper. Let me just tell you, it it was quite the showstopper. And uh, I would lots- expect nothing less. Well, thank you, thank you. And uh, I, what I won was I won a therapy. A, well, yes, that's two. That was highly suggested. I won um, 
a rope, uh, how to do trick and, and a DVD to how to do tricks with a rope. You know, the Western. Oh yeah. 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 Things. The last so I won that. That's what I got. That was that's my cool. Prize. That's cool. But, uh, yeah. I was happy with it. You need another activity to pour yourself into. So right. now you're going to like, you're going right. to windsurfing's out. It's you're not going to learn how to, you're going to be last suing things Lasso now in your guy. apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. watch out. Like your son is going to be like, dad, right. stop lassoing me while I'm yes. on the toilet. Exactly. Exactly. Dad, stop lassoing my friends. Uh, That's good. It's always good to get out of that environment, uh, home environment and get out. Yes, which which you need. You you are feral. You are. Thank you. Thank you. You are feral and you need to be roaming. I actually had a call today with uh, somebody that I got to introduce you to, Brandon, who uh, who who bought property um, real close to you. Um, oh. bought a big warehouse and has one third of it office, one third uh-huh. of it home, one third of it gym. Ooh. And uh, he said he bought two feral cats to keep the mice population at bay. And I thought of you because you are the most feral person that I know. <laughs> so there you go. I love you. Gotta, Thank you got you got to meet him, and we're gonna have him on the show soon. So oh, nice, nice, nice. Good. Well, this is gonna be a fun one. Yeah. Um, and we always bring you something interesting, folks. Like you, this is not your run of the mill podcast, right? Like this is not you can't follow a formula with us. No way. Gonna, we are bringing on a friend today who is going to talk about things that will absolutely blow your mind. Um, she is Shannon Stewart, and she doesn't spell her name like everybody else. She spells it with a Y. Why would we do that? All right. So we we are going to give you today the Shannon Stewart experience. She is yes. the OG boss lady yes. who has been running things since she was four years old. She Jeez. is a badass tax strategist. Um, she lives in a small town in Michigan, of all places. Mm. And uh, she is one amazing human being. You are going to... Um, you are going to be wowed. You are going to be maybe going, hmm, I don't know if this is real or not. But just know that Brandon and I have known this person for years. She is real. She is the real deal. Yes. And, uh, you know, she she's going to dispense some stories and also some advice that uh, you might want to be listening to. Was that is that a good is that a good I think summation? it's good. Yeah. I mean, Shannon is I was thinking about it when we were doing the doing the show was. You know, Perry, our friend, has this term as a multidisciplinary explainer, but I don't know if that's that Shannon. She, Shannon just has so many abilities around um, so many different abilities. And it's so lovely to, you know, she is my personal tax lady and and she's an entrepreneur. So she gets it. She gets yeah. the feral and, you know, um, ways that entrepreneurs like to behave. Um, and she has a deeply spiritual side to her that is unconventional. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to, when we dig into that, yeah, she is, she is an ultimate disruptor. That yes. is the best way to describe her. And uh, we want you to experience Shannon for yourself. So we are now welcoming the, uh, oh, actually, I'll say it this way. We are now inviting you to the Shannon Stewart experience. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, welcome. welcome. Welcome, All welcome. Well, to the Shannon Stewart experience. <laughs> and now Brandon's frozen. See, that's how it works. Shannon, you're that powerful. We have frozen Brandon. I froze. What happened? Okay. <laughs> I'm back. Good grief. Good God. See, this yeah, is what Shannon lo- does. I know she's woo woo, man. She controls, she has effects on electronics and, and technology. 
We do know that. We do know that. my 56K modem right now. And yeah. you're across the country. Yes, I yeah. am. So we, yeah. we should let people know what we mean by that. So yeah. um, we we haven't just met Shannon. In fact, we, we've known Shannon for five years, six years. Yeah, six, five, six, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shannon is our good friend. She is our tax strategist. She is our sage. Um, what else are you to us, Shannon? She's I'm laughing. <laughs> this is a podcast. You do have to speak. You okay, have to I'm talk sorry. on the podcast, and it's a thing. Yeah. Are Are we just annoying? Like, oh, it's Bobby. I know you're your friend. You're my. You're one of my. What I consider my woo woo friends. I have friends that are woo woo. Uh, I talk about you a lot. You know, I talk about bad ex tax accountant entrepreneur, and has woo woo abilities. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a combination. Yeah. Well, and I think for your listeners, I mean, we call it memos from head office, but basically that's just the ability to hear intuitively. Hmm. We're gonna get into that. Well, why don't we just start there? Dang like, it! Why the heck not? Why so, are we hesitating? So you 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 get these memos and so you're in the financial space. So let's it's really useful in the financial space. So tell it talk us through a couple of stories. So we heard one already. You called, you basically heard from the head office that Bitcoin would hit 16,000. Um tell us tell us how you got in trouble by the uh can you talk about that? How I you got in trouble? So let's just let's just say that the government agencies are not really keen and broker dealers are not really keen when you hear something intuitively and you act on it and then it comes to pass and they think you have insider trading. <laughs> wow. Right? So how specific can you get on the most recent one? Well, I mean, so and it's been a couple of years ago now. I mean, because then I moved to my own independent platform. I because again, we know how I feel about like I believe in doing everything above board, but yes. I also do not um, appreciate being strongholded into certain in things, right? Um, but basically, in in two thousand eight, I had a memo that what was going to happen within the financial crisis. I actually was at GE corporate, and I was one of two advisors that was permitted to go into GE, and I was in a room full of like three hundred people, executives of GE. And I called out what was going to happen in mm. the markets. And I called out what was going to happen in the derivatives market. And mm. this woman stands up like the middle of this, this conference room. I mean, it was like a, like an auditorium. She stands up and she starts screaming at me. And I'm like, I'm not like following why she's hysterical. They escort her out. I continue with my presentation. Later on, someone else came up to me and said, well, that's the vice president of the U of GE Treasury. <laughs> oh. And you just called out what was happening in the derivative market and what was going to be happening. And then a few months later, you know, GE is almost decimated because of the derivative market and because of their overexposure in that market. Mm. And she knew what I was saying was completely accurate. But it was no one should have known that. So that was one thing that, I mean, the powers to be at GE weren't real happy with me. To say the least. Right. But they should have listened to you because they were much 
less happy with the person that got them invested in derivatives. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that that's what happened. So, I mean, you know, my ability to hear intuitively has really helped not only in my business, but in the business of my clients. Yeah. I mean, so you've had time, Shannon, even within the last 12 years where you've you've basically said it's time to pull out of securities and go into cash for a short time. Right. There's and, actually a podcast that's out. Um, I did a podcast last November or December, and it was a dream podcast. I can't I can't remember the name of it because I do a lot of podcasting. Um, and I told him, like, you should probably be moving out of cash by the beginning of January of 2022. You should be moving out of the market into cash by the beginning, mid December or January, 2022. And I told them what was going to be happening in 2022. And if you go back and listen to that podcast, it was completely accurate. In fact, we moved our clients, 50% of their funds went to cash um, in January, on January 10th. And the rest of my holdout clients that didn't want to move, moved at the beginning of May. And we have sat out of the market this entire year. Now, my money managers have said to me, we, you should be in the market. Like, and I was like, okay, gentlemen, I understand your expertise as money manager that I hire to be on my team, but I'm going to listen um, to what I intuitively know to be the truth. And we're going to, we're going to go with my, my knowing my memo from head office. And when that proves to be wrong, then I will admit that it's wrong, but it hasn't failed me yet. Mm. So folks, that's just a taste of the Shannon Stewart experience. Right? <laughs> so we got we got to go back, Shannon. Um you are not uh let's see. How what's what's the let's just say you you were a Baptist preacher. Like I was. How, Yeah. Were you I think we need to go further back than that. I want yeah. you to talk about your 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 life with your dad and and it was the construction biz, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Cause that's fascinating. Kind of how you got grounded in all this stuff. Let's, let's go there first. Well, so I, I grew up, my, my family's always been very entrepreneurial and my, my family, my dad owned a concrete and septic tank plant. And when I was growing up on the side of the concrete truck, it was Hall's concrete. And on the, on the side of every single concrete truck we owned, it said Shannon Hall, the boss. And <laughs> even at the facility at our at our batch plant, there was a room on my door of where I would go and play because I mean, you know, growing up in the 80s, we didn't have daycare. We went to work or we were latchkey kids. Mm -hmm. And so on the door it had a, a plate that said Shannon Hall, the boss. And so my entire life from the time I can remember Everyone has called me the boss. In fact, you see, I they can't see on the podcast, but I'm drinking out of a cup that says boss on it. Yeah. So I would go and have coffee on the, in the mornings with my dad, with all the guys, the construction guys, you know, in our town. And I would walk in and they'd be like, hi, Mike. Hi, boss. How you doing? I have always known, even in my little town today, when I walk into the, the restaurant that's in my building, they call me the boss. Hey, boss. How, how old were you? I love it. I was probably like four or five. So I was, so here's the thing that's so, so here's what's so interesting about things. And I don't think people really understand the gravity of our words. So going back and pulling from my Christian faith, 
you know, the scriptures say there's life and death in your words. And words are nothing but energy. Mm, yep. Thoughts become things. It's energy. So my dad, with not even understanding any of that, basically set me up. He sure did. In, yeah. in, in seventh grade, we had, to, I had, a, we had to take a careers class, you know, and they're going through and you have to take all those career assessments. And, you know, like none of my, like I took all of these career assessments and like they were coming out. Like I wasn't fit to do anything. Like, <laughs> you know, like somebody next to me, like Susie was going to be a nurse. Oh, yeah. was going to be an electrician. And Shannon was just like, didn't fit into any category. And so the, the teacher was like, everyone has to pick your career and write a paper on it. So I'm like, okay, I don't care what I do. So my, literally my paper was, I don't care what I do as long as I'm the boss. (laughs) I knew in my mind at in seventh grade that regardless of what I did in life, I was going to be successful at it Mm. because I was the boss. When I walk into a room, you know that I've entered because I am the boss. And I have always had that that little like that energetic vibe, regardless of of any profession I've ever had. And I've had lots of professions before I became an entrepreneur. I mean, I I've been in HR. I mean, my my background, my undergrad was in organizational development. I was in HR. Um, I worked for GE. You know, I did all of these different things, and I all I never fit into mm. corporate America for because number one, I don't like being told what to do. You're the boss. Yeah, shocking. I'm the boss. Like, yeah. you know, excuse me, I, I'm the boss. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and and you know, and and having the knowing, having the ability to hear intuitively, has given me a leg up in the world, just in business world. Because even when I was working for other people, I always kind of always knew more than they did. Hmm. Um, and it helped me out in school too, because like you know, we would be sitting in science class, and I would be like you know, I would like have studied and people would be like, why are you studying before the class? I'm like, well, we're going to have a quiz today. Oh, no, we're not. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have a quiz today. And we go in and they'd be like, oh, we're going to have a quiz. And people were like, how did you know? Well, I had the knowing way. I mean, I didn't know that's what it was, but it's always been there. Hmm. Okay. So you're the boss. You've got this imprinted on you from a very young age and you, you stepped into that identity. Tell us the evolution into your spiritual journey, because there's clearly been some bridges that you built there from the in that world that uh, I'd love for our audience to hear. Well, I think one of the things, so I grew up, my parents were not Christians. They gave, like, you know, I always say they put the fear of God into me because I would never have disrespected either of my parents. Um, but I always went to church with my grandparents. They were Baptists. Well, growing up, I always had the knowing like I like. So, for instance, one time when I was a little girl, I woke up in the middle of the night because I heard that my grandfather had a stroke and Mm. I needed to go wake up my mother. And so I went to my mother's bedside and said, hey, Papa's had a stroke. You need to call him. He needs to go to the emergency room. He's going to be fine. And so my parents kind of got used to this, though, (laughs) you know, like, oh, here she goes again. Right. Um. And, and, and he did, she, you know, she got up, she called my grandmother's like, yeah, your grandfather, I'm going to call 911. There's something wrong with him, you know, and he ended up having a stroke and he ended up being fine. Um, 
but I always had this deep connection to God. Like I used to get made fun of in school as well sometimes because like I loved Jesus. Like when I was like 15, 16 years old, like that was the, like when you have like supernatural things that are happening to you in my little town, I didn't have a foundation to like talk, but like, it's not like the internet. Like I grew up in the eighties. You couldn't Google like, oh, talking to dead people or hearing intuitively. Like you couldn't, like you could go and, you know, go to the library and try to search those things. And but- they don't talk, they don't, really talk about that in Baptist churches either. Oh, nah. no. So that nah. became a huge problem because here's the thing. So like I so I went to like my grandmother, my step grandmother knew something was like she knew there was something a little different. Mm-hmm. And so you, you know, I never I was working in corporate America. I just was not I just started my business. I just wasn't fulfilled. I had this unexplained, you know, pr- we would call them premonitions. And my mother would finally say, don't tell people you have premonitions because they'll think you're crazy. <laughs> and so like, I just stopped. Like I kind of suppressed it because I didn't want people to think I was crazy. But um, one day I remember I went to my grandmother and I said, grandma, like I have this call to help people. Like I know in my, I just know that I can help people. And I have this deep, like, I love God. And I just know I can help people. And I feel like I need to be a pastor in order to do that. Because again, I didn't have a frame of reference. Mm. And she pulled out this article. And this is the power of a praying grandmother. I'll tell you another story. But she pulled out this little article about women in ministry. And she's like, since the day you were born, I've been praying that you would go into ministry. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. And so first of all, women don't go into Baptist ministry. I'll bet. Like no. you can, like when I went to seminary, they said, "Well, you can go be a missionary in another country and help set up the potluck too." Can you right. do that? Yeah, or you could be yeah. a Sunday school teacher. Yes. We would oh Lord! Right? I was like, "No." Do you know who I am? I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I decided to go into ministry against everything that, like, you know, everything that went up against me, and then I went to a seven Southern Baptist seminary. Oh, good Lord. I think they just passed me to get me out. Like after a while, when they realized that I was not going to change, like I believed what I believed, what I believed. Yeah. I think they just like, were like, oh my gosh, get her out of here. Um, (laughs) A disruptor. Well, isn't that the spiritual disruptor? So, so, so needed. And and you know what? That's what, you know, Perry you know, Perry Marshall actually even called me the disruptor. Like he's like, you're a disruptor. That's what you're made to do. Yeah. And um, so I became a pastor and I became um, like, it was, it was a very interesting time in my life. Um, I served for about eight years. Um, and then I started making people uncomfortable because mm. I after started, eight years or during the whole eight years, Shannon. probably the whole eight years. But then finally, they just found enough to hang me. Right. And okay. Basically, how old know, were you about then? How about how old were you? Approximately. Well. It was probably about 18 years ago. OK. All right. So what so I get about, for your reference. Yeah. About 30, 32 ish. OK. You know? Um. So it's funny, backstory, I say they hung me, you know, um, if we trace back my ancestry to the 1400s, <laughs> okay, let's go back to England for a yeah. second. 
So if we go all the way back to England to Shrewberry, and we look and you look at the Shrewberry witch trial, my ninth great grandmother and her sister, my would be my ninth great aunt, basically died during their witch trial. They were drowned. Oof. I bet they had the knowing, right? I bet you they think... heard intuitively. Yes. And people were threatened by it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole nother story. Like I have a whole nother thing, like because they owned the Lion's Heart De- Inn where um, Dickens wrote a lot of his pieces of work. And there's a whole family drama, but that's for another day. But um, so this knowing, I think, has probably been in my family for generations. Yeah. Yes. So, but it kind of got me in trouble from a Baptist standpoint, because I would start to tell people like, you don't have to be sick. That's not mm-hmm. the will of God. And you don't have to be poor. That's not the will of God. And here's the thing that's bo- like tripping you up or here's an ailment. And why don't we just get rid of it? Like, let's just deal with the root. You know, you don't have to die of cancer. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to have all of these things. And it was a threat to the elders of the church because we are congregation rule. And so um, I had brought in, I was going to do a revival. Another thing you really don't, we, our church wasn't used to revivals. So I brought in a Jewish cantor who was a messianic Jew, who was a cantor, who was a prophet. I brought him into the church and we're going to do a three-day revival. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. Like, let's cast out some demons. Let's do some cool stuff. So <laughs> we we bring him in and he says to me the first night, he comes up to me and he says, this is June. And he says, by September, you'll not hang your shingle outside this church again. Mm. Now, what did you think in my role as the boss? What did I turn around and say? I turned around and I said, Cantor McNutt, do you know whose church this is? <laughs> who you're talking to? In that moment, I began to dry heave. I was sick. I was on the front steps of that, that, that altar, sicker than a dog. And he looked at me as I'm getting sick. And he says, thus saith the Lord. And I felt the atmosphere shift. I knew in that moment what he had said, like he had heard. He had the knowing and, and I knew in that moment that it was true. Mm. Flash forward to September and the elders of the church call me in and basically say, you know, we really don't feel that a woman should be in leadership. Oh. So we're going to put a man, uh, a head pastor ahead of you. And you can, you can be an, an associate. Oh. I was like, you know what here, I'm here to serve God. Don't serve man. That's perfect. I'll just do this. And that lasted for a whole hot minute. Um, I I was preaching a series. I said to the new pastor, I said, you know, can I at least finish the series I'm preaching? And I think it was a series called like, just give me Jesus or something. And he said, sure. And so the next Sunday I went to preach and I was preaching. And when I came off the, the platform, he said to me, you'll never stand behind that platform again, because the people follow me and not you. And I was like, "Mm, I think they should be following Jesus. I don't think it's about me or you. It should be Jesus. Holy cow. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of the downfall of my church, my, like, as a pastor, 
So I ended up resigning my position. I did not resign my ordination, but I resigned my position and I left that church. Um, and, you know, and since then, my concept of Christianity has evolved. Mm. It really has. Um, and it's become, and it's become such a different concept of like the religion that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, it's something different. Like I, I mean, I still consider myself a follower of Christ. I consider myself a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't feel like I'm as judgmental as I was when I was, was like a Baptist, you know, Mm. I didn't, I lost, I lost some of that religion. Mm. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. (laughs) Right. So it's very rare for us, at least in this early stages of the show to, um, have somebody on that. Brandon and I both have paid (laughs) number one um but uh also call a friend shannon stewart i know you're enjoying this um she is literally uh, a badass tax strategist if you have a cpa just understand that a cpa is a historian and their job is to record history for you as perfectly as possible but what they don't provide you is forward thinking strategy so if you want to make sure that you are, first of all, audit proof, which Shannon will talk about in this interview, and also make sure that you aren't paying more than your fair share. She is not an advocate of, of running away, but she is like, hey, what can we do legally to make sure that you are paying your fair share and your fair share only of taxes? Or if you are in trouble with the IRS and have made a mess of your books, you need somebody that is a bulldog, a Wolverine, and that is Shannon Stewart. You can reach her at advancedaccounting.com. She works with clients across the country. And if you are interested in some of her intuitive abilities and want some coaching, shannonstewart.com. That's S-H-A-N-Y-N stewart.com. You would be remiss to not get um, the original disruptor on the phone and have her uh, give a session with you. So uh, you want to get a hold of Shannon for both of those reasons. And Brandon and I uh, fully endorse it because we have uh, used her in the past. We continue to use her and we consider her a friend and she is the original. So contact her, SharonStewart.com, AdvancedAccounting.com. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. It's interesting. I was having a conversation the other day with someone who's a paleontologist or studying paleontology, and we're getting on this topic of religion and spirituality. Wait, is a paleontologist a dinosaur person? What is a paleontologist? Di- dinosaurs, mean? evolution. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% clear, but they study like velociraptors, which I wish I had a pet one, but but that's another conversation. Um, but they were, you know, they considered themselves an atheist and, and they were a little, they were kind of treading carefully in a conversation. They said, listen, you understand something. I'm an atheist towards specific gods. I'm an atheist towards the Baptist God. Cause I don't believe in a God of fear and punishment. I'm an atheist towards the churches of Christ God, because it was a God of shame and manipulation. Do I believe in a God? Absolutely. hundred percent. Jesus, hundred percent. But I just don't believe in your version So I think it's really interesting how you brought that out, Shannon, Mm -hmm. um, that you're starting to let go of you're you're letting go of of these narratives that have been so institutionalized with with different religions. 
Well, and I think, you know, if we really go back and we look at the teachings of Christ, you know, the first thing is Jesus met people at their point of understanding. And that's mm-hmm. where we should meet people first and foremost, is at their point of understanding. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, I, you know, as a Baptist pastor, it's always like, I got to convert these people. And now the, the Shannon of today is, you know what, I'm going to meet at your point of understanding and I'm going to love you like Christ loved you. And I'm going to let you find your truth. Mm, not yep. my program to bring you you know mm-hmm. my 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 whole thought is to meet you at your point of understanding love you for whatever you're going through and serve as an example of the goodness in the world like today I was I have a I have a friend he's a client too and he's a, he's in his late 70s and he's really struggling with technology and he's a private investigator and so he's been struggling with things like taking video. In fact, I think Brandon and I text you like, what do I do here? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and like Dropbox. And so I created Loom videos and doing this and so forth. And I sat down with him. He's a retired police officer. And he's like, how do I compensate you? Because I've been going over before work every day and, and sitting with him and helping him. And he goes, how do I compensate you? And I'm like, well, you don't. What do you mean? This is what friends do. We we support each other. We meet each other at our point of understanding and our point of need. And he's like, well, you don't understand. Like, that's not normal. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And he yeah. goes, I mean, I'm a police officer. I've been a police, I was a police officer for 35 years. Like I have dealt with like the, the bottom of the barrel on mm-hmm. everything my entire career. And then I have this friend and we've been friends, and that's a cute story too, but we've been friends since the second Bush administration. And um, he's like, and you always are there when I need you. And I was like, he's like, good people don't exist like that. And I was like, Mm. you know, that's sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sad that good people don't exist. And I don't want to see that. The illusion. I agree. That's what I told him too. I said, I think it's, I think that we're more, I think there's more good people, but sometimes we just were quiet about it. Mm. Well, that narrative doesn't sell advertising. It doesn't sell media space. Like it's much better to have people divided because that's what people want to watch, right? They want to watch the Jerry Springer show in real life day after day. That's what gets people connected. And yeah, there's, you know, people that listen to this show, I I guarantee you are, are outside of that norm. You know, we want them to like, no, there's, there's a better, there are good people that are doing amazing things. So Shannon, let's, let's bridge that. Right. So you've got this, this mindset. How do you bridge that into what you do in the financial space? So you're a financial advisor, a tax strategist, um, but you are, you are the very definition of meek, um, Mm. but mighty. Right. So Tell us a little bit how you approach that in the financial arena, because, you know, our friend Perry Marshall calls you a Wolverine in a, in a sea of poodles. So how do you take that? I'm very kind and I'm very meek, but don't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's well, really I mean, what it is. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think sometimes it's like Christianity is like you got to be a doormat, like turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. And we yeah. forget that Jesus went into the temple and he turned over tables. Right. Right. You know, so I really take it to like, it's my job to love you at your point of need and understanding, but it's not my job to put up with your bullshit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I never withhold good when it's in my power. That's a, a motto. It's a proverb. And we live, I live my life by that. 
Never withhold good when it's in my power. Now, what does that look like? That does not look like me being an enabler. It does not look like me judging you based on your behavior. It's me actually helping support you to grow and evolve into the person that you're meant to be here on this earth. Mm. And so I don't take shit from anybody. That's true. And I do love Jesus and I have a potty mouth. So that's the Irish in me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I guess my thing is, is that there's nothing in this world that says we, that we can't stand up for ourselves. And that's about integrity. You know, I, I, I believe that everyone has a standard. Like I have a standard of the friends that I have in my life. Like I have a standard that I expect them to, to rise to. I have a standard for my own life. And I believe that people rise to the standards we set for them. Mm -hmm. we, boundaries sound so, I don't believe in, but I mean, Yes, there are things called boundaries and we should have them, yeah. but there's standards. Mm -hmm. And when we live authentically and we have a certain standard, that's energy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we will attract the people that have similar standards. And those people who can't meet our standards or don't meet our energy, they exit stage left. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when I'm confronted with someone who is not authentic, now, mind you, oftentimes I'm hearing intuitively or i'm seeing a word over their head or i'm seeing a movie pa pass through my brain like i i hear and that right there almost is like ammunition mm. if you think about that that it can be ammunition like if i'm walking into a certain situation and i've heard something about something or someone Usually I can, I, I can take authority of a conversation or a situation because I have knowledge hmm. and, and now that you, you know, you've heard that saying knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I think action is power. So it's taking that knowledge and actually utilizing it in action. That is power. So Shannon, why do you choose to, why are you choosing right now to channel that? in the financial space i hate bullies mm. so i was bullied growing up a lot i grew up in a little tiny town you know i kind of was not in the cool group the cool kid group i had bullies um and the irs is a bully mm. They and and you know they've hired all of you. They're going to be hiring eighty-seven thousand new agents, and they're going to go to the they're going to go to the low-hanging fruit first, which is small business owners. Mm. And in my particular industry, the unfortunate part of where it's evolving to is that the big four accounting firms do not cater to the small business owner. Right. And those accountants that do, those tax professionals that do are going away. They're retiring. The, mm. the last few years since the, the Trump tax code changes in 2020, I mean, I, I have a list of friends that will be out of business within the next three to five years. And no one's selling practices. No one wants to buy an accounting firm or a tax firm. No mm. one wants to deal in this space because it's a shit show. Mm. I, mean, I can't even get through the IRS most days. 
Right. And now they put on some kind of like you have to answer a math question to get through the cues. And then you get through the cues after three and a half hours, they hang up on you. We're tired. Accountants are tired. Mm. And so we're we're in an industry that there is a space for small business owners to actually get qualified advice and, and competent um, um, compliance. It's shrinking. And the IRS knows it. And the IRS is going to go after those, those people who choose to do their taxes on their own and those small business owners because they're they're easy targets. And that frustrates me. I hate when people get taken advantage of. Hmm. There's certainly some parallels between your passion for taxes and bullies because what i'm what i've heard is that you were in a container a spiritual environment where you're in a spiritual environment where where was technically or supposed to be most the safest container there's of it and you were bullied you were pushed out um someone smart told me a long time ago that whatever people fear they mock and they destroy and you were mocked and destroyed for your spiritual convictions, for standing up for yourself, for for believing in your own personal power. And and I'm hearing some parallels here of the same thing with uh, with the tax code and where the where things are going for small business. Um, so as someone who's been bullied, as someone who's been who's been mocked and destroyed, or not destroyed, but but definitely try, you know, people trying. You're, it sounds like you're seeing the same thing happening to small business and 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 um, w- with the tax code. Is that accurate? Am I? Is that what I'm? I, I think that I think you probably hit the nail on the head. I, and I think one of the things, you know, I'm an entrepreneur who happens to make a living in the tax environment. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I think that as an entrepreneur, I see the shifting of what's happening in the environment. And I don't think most entrepreneurs are actually taking the time, number one, to to look at the shifts that are happening in in the accounting and tax environment. Most entrepreneurs, you know, come in at the end of the year and put their box of receipts on the the (laughs) table in front of their CPA. And then their CPA is supposed to be this great historian and create magic, right? But I think that, you know, excuse me, as knowing as seeing the handwriting on the wall and and hearing intuitively what's going to be happening, I think that a lot of small business owners are in for a rude awakening. Mm. How can people prepare? What would be, yeah. you know, we're a small business. Um, mm-hmm. what, what what should people be thinking about? What should we be preparing for? Well, I think I think you should be making sure that you're audit proof. Mm. So historically, certain business, small businesses were not audited very often. And so like, for instance, S-Corps were audited one, one half of 1% or something ridiculously low. We know that the current administration has said it's a target. We're coming after them now. Um, so I think it's important to audit proof yourself. I think it's important to have proper bookkeeping, like understand your numbers, make sure you can back it up with receipts. Make sure that you're taking the proper deductions. But also, there is numerous items within the IRS tax code that allow you to take legal deductions, know what they are, or find a professional that does. Um, 
But I think, you know, when we take people into our process and we do a full, complete written tax plan, we literally go through and we help audit proof them as well. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Bully, bully proof them. Bully proof. Bully proof them. Yes. Hmm. Tell us about your, tell us about memos. I want to go back to that. Um, so, you know, you're out of this container of, of this, of the Baptist organization. You're still trusting in your knowing. You're still trusting in your intuitive abilities. And having that nurtured over the years, you know, I think it, I don't know, tell us if it really got amplified when, when we all met in, in Perry Marshall's group, because um, Perry has been doing that a lot and, and calls on people who are intuitive and, and, you know, can talk about what they see and hear. Um, has that grown for you over the last few years? Is that, I know you've turned it into a business. Is it, is it kind of like I've had this ability for 20 plus years and now I'm making it into something where I'm offering it as a service for others is how right. tell us about so, how that's I, been going. Exactly. And so, and I have done expert memos for Perry, you know, for, mm-hmm. for planet Perry. So the, so under, so flexing your intuitive muscle, mm-hmm. it's a muscle. So it's just like speaking Spanish. If you don't speak, like if you learn Spanish and then you never speak it ever again, you, you lose it. So I believe that hearing intuitively, getting memos from head office is a muscle that you flex. And the more you flex it and the more you walk into it or flow with it, the stronger it becomes. But I believe everyone has the ability to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just recognizing what the, that, that sounds like. Understood. How would you suggest people learn to flex that muscle? Um, you know, there's probably, you know, we're, we've been in a society where that's kind of been a, a red flag, you know, like, like it has been for you when people like, oh, ho, oh, don't, don't get weird now, you mm-hmm. know, keep that stuff to yourself there, boss Stuart, you know, but in my observation, it's, it's, people are kind of waking up. They're kind of leaning into this. There's been a resurgence of psychedelics. There's been a resurgence of meditation. Um, What's your thoughts? What 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 are what do people do? Well, I think you know what. So first of all, I think there's so much noise in our world. Like, hmm. what's the first thing that most people do in the morning when they wake up? They turn over and they pick up their phone and they check either Facebook or their email. Yeah, yeah. Like, stop. Cultivate <laughs> cultivate a habit of stillness. Mm. It's okay to be still. Yeah. It's okay to just get quiet. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, that my renaissance time in the morning is so important to me, like from five to seven. And now I don't even see clients until 10 o'clock because I pushed my, my time that I need to just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And I grab my remarkable and I just listen. And I'm like, father, God, what do you have to say today? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want me to know? Um, It's in the stillness that the knowing comes. Like I have a great story. Um, I was at a Planet Perry event. I can't remember what event it was. I was at, you'll have to help me. You know, that place where he has. Um, the Donata house. Yes, I was there. And I, and I've been divorced. My marriage ended in 2008. It was final, I think in 13. Um, oh, that was a short process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whole nother story. Um, but I feel bad about it to be honest with you, I felt like 
for a long time. Like I was raised, like I was raised a Baptist. Like you don't yeah. get divorced. No, right? no, no. You'd be subservient to your husband, Shannon. You know, and and <laughs> and I've had clients literally like I have one client who came to me and said, if you get remarried, a financial planning client said, if you get remarried, we don't believe that that's proper and we'll have to leave. Mm. Like, oh, let, let, let's show your religion here. Mm. Right. Now, I've not gotten remarried, but that's not the, I didn't not because of religion, pr- religious purposes. Right. But I was at the Donata house and I was feeling bad that morning because something was said to me about my divorce through, through like a family member, like why I was there and I was in this group chat, those group chats, you can't suddenly get out of on your phone. And Mm. and so something was said and it hurt me. Like, I felt it like, I felt like, yes, I left the marriage, but I was feeling bad about it. I just didn't feel good about it. And so I was in the Donata house and I went to take a walk and, and I walked out of the meeting and I was taking a walk and I went in and I was washing my hands and I heard, and I, and so for your listeners, I always point to my right ear because I hear intuitively in that ear. That's where I hear. And I heard your marriage ended because he wasn't willing to go where I need to take you. Mm. And mm. I thought that was the last day I ever regretted leaving my marriage and, be, and getting a divorce. Because in that moment, I realized that the heart of God was saying, I would have taken you both where I need, I, I'm calling you someplace and I know you'll go, but he wasn't willing to go. And so I had to remove him because there's something that needs to be done. And so mm. you need to go. And, and so don't, don't feel bad about the fact that it wasn't something that you did. It was something that he wasn't willing to do. And in that moment, like I was so thankful for the ability to hear because I carry around guilt for so long. Yeah. yeah. And in that moment, I was released. And I was like, well, I thought he was an asshole too. No, I didn't. Like, okay, so God just confirmed. No, but but no, in that moment, it really it released me. So sometimes we go back to our emotional home. And so for me, oftentimes that the feeling of being bullied or feeling unworthy, that tends to sometimes be my emotional home. Mm-hmm. And by by exercising my in, you know memos from the head office, I've been released over the years from that emotional home. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to go back there. Um, so I think that people need to learn to cultivate stillness. You know, it's and I think there's even a scripture about that still small voice. That's the voice of God. The voice of God is not going to hit you upside the head. Mm -hmm. You have free will. Mm -hmm. Right. The gentle whisper. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show today. Shannon is just a longtime friend and has been a client. And also we are a client of hers. And one thing about Shannon is she has some of the most amazing stories about her life. We only got into a few today, but my gosh, I've sat down with Shannon for hours and some of the most fascinating things that have happened with her um, have just shaped her life and her business and her outlook. And we filmed Shannon some years ago and the stories just kept rolling. And there's been a few times where really just sat on the edge of my seat with with different people we filmed and Shannon was one of them. So if your business, if you have stories, if you resonate with anything that's being said today and, and 
that's maybe off the narrative of the industry or the business you're in that have uh, maybe you've tested maybe you've spoken about it in in a public way and people have piqued interest those are the type of stories that create resonance and resonance creating that rapport and attract clients that you're looking for to you. So if that's something that we should talk about, if that's something you want to lean into, please book some time with Bob and I at feedstories.com. And let's talk about this. Let's find your unique stories and see how it approaches, how it can attract the ideal client to your business. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. The other thing that I think people maybe are going to misunderstand is, okay, Shannon, you're special. You've got this gift, right? You hear these things audibly. But the stillness, I think the key is stillness. And our mind, we have to shut off our mind. Like mm-hmm. the practice of like just telling your mind to be quiet and and figuring out how to quiet your mind because there are things that come to you that don't come from your mind. Um, they they come from your soul, your 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 essence. And it doesn't matter if it's your voice or the voice of God because it's one and the same. That's mm-hmm. what you're that's what you're tuning in for. Mm-hmm. It, it's literally like if you're sitting in a room. All right. And then there's there's maybe a television playing like in the far side of the house and you have a radio blaring in your room. Like what you what you're really keying into is turn the radio down in the room, get it quiet, because that television on the far end is what you're trying to tune into. It's 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 available to everybody. And I think part of part of knowing somebody like you, Shannon, it's a little intimidating, right? Like, oh, Shannon's got this great gift and she was hearing things at four. But you were in an environment and maybe have a genetic line where that's maybe more accepted. But what I've had to get to is like, no, everybody has this gift, maybe not to the same level, but we can all hear and we can all get quiet and we can all get inspiration where you go, where did that come from? Mm. Right. It sounds like your own voice. It doesn't have to be the booming uh, bass. Like, no, like it's, it's going to come to you in a way that's most comfortable and least scary to you you know, and, and that's what you got to tune into. So, I mean, I just want to encourage people to be like, look, if, if you want to be more intentional about what you do in your business and your life, the key is you've got to find a time to get quiet because mm-hmm. that's when the inspiration will come. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The cultivating that habit of stillness. And it's hard mm-hmm. in this world we live in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because the world really wants to distract you. Like this, like for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like, just, I mean, Shannon, you know, this, we, we have these experiences that are, that are, that are really instruction instructional. So being in a church like that and being in any sort of organization, the, the purpose of that organization is to continue being an organization. What is the, what is the best way to keep an institution running is to make sure that the, that the um, the tribe stays in order. And the best way to do that is to create noise, suppress thought, right? And again, well, I'm, I'm not, this is a very general blanket statement, but like a great way to keep people in line is to keep them fearful and keep them suppressed and put a lot of noise around them. Mm-hmm. And you see that in a lot of businesses, I imagine too, like um, this is not just, we're not just picking on church here, but most institutions become, enemies them to themselves because their whole goal is survival and mm-hmm. you start to lose some of that innovation. Um, that's, that's, that's 
just something that you end up seeing? Well, and I think one of the things, so I just was reminded, um, I just heard my my grandfather in my ear. My grand, you know, my grandpa. Hi, grandpa. What do you say? <laughs> he said, he said, <clears throat> it's so funny because we're talking about fear. Yeah. And we're and so oftentimes we as entrepreneurs get tripped up on fear. Mm-hmm. We get tripped up on the things we're hearing, the things we're seeing. We get tripped up on our competition. Mm. So my grandfather always would say, you never have to, you should never be worrying about what your competition is doing, because if you're worrying about your competition, you're not worrying about your own business. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, and and here's what happens. I think we get in this cycle as entrepreneurs that we start to have a fear. Like we're looking at all these exterior things from an emotional standpoint. And so one thing I've been really working with a lot of my coaching clients on is that we can either look at the world from a very emotional standpoint or a very business standpoint. So we can either use our logic or we can use our emotion. Hmm. What's going to serve us best in a time, especially that we're living in right now? Logic. Because if we're using emotion only in the time in the world that we're living in, you know, it's November of 2022. We're in, we're in recession. We have for the first time in 40 years, skyrocketing inflation, high, you know, interest rates are going up. The housing market is tightening and unemployment is is about to go up. Um, Mm -hmm. The stock market is receding. The crypto market has just crashed. Like we are in a situation where if we're looking at that from an emotional standpoint, every cell in our body is like, you know, um, the the old show Lost in Space, you know, warning Will Robinson, warning (laughs) Will Robinson. Like it's going off, bells and whistles. But from a logical standpoint, let's think about it from a logical standpoint. You know, Warren Buffett said, in, you know, when there's blood in the streets is when real entrepreneurs and business people make money. Mm-hmm. You guys, there's blood in the streets. It's not here yet. I mean, it's coming. We're, we haven't seen anything yet, I don't believe. But here's the thing. When we're looking at things from a logical standpoint, we can look at the different key triggers that are happening And we can start to ask logical questions about what should we be doing in our business? So Mm. for instance, like if our, if our business is, is based, um, is affected by political things, like, what does that mean? How do we pivot? If it's based on um, inflation, how do we pivot? Like we need to actually be clear minded and that's where getting still and listening. We got to move out of emotional Mm-hmm. And we need to move into logic. And if you can't move out of emotional and just be logical about the things that you're facing, then you need to get into a tribe, into a mastermind, into a coaching program, into something that helps you actually get clear on those things. Love that. Yeah. Tell us, tell us on that note, tell us what you see in the future. Tell us what, how, you know, if we take, you've always, you've just kind of given us a lump of that, like things aren't looking necessarily well, they can, they're looking a little scary, a little concerning. Mm-hmm. How should people be approaching? What kind of logic would you, would you advise? What direction would you point us? Okay. So let me say this. I never look at things from a, from a space of fear. I don't resonate with fear. I do not recognize it. When fear shows up, I send it to the corner, okay? Because fear does show up. 
And I'm like, okay, that's just false evidence appearing real. I'm not going to pay attention to you. Mm. Okay. Because when, when, when uncertainty presents itself, we have two choices. We can either look at it from a, from a perspective of fear, or we can look at it as a perspective of opportunity. I was having a conversation with my mom and my mom is elderly and she's not been in good health. And she called me the other day and we were talking about genetically modified food. And she's like, do you know this thing about genetically modified food? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And um, she's like, it's so scary Mm. to use that word. And then Mm. she said something about the stock market. That's so scary. Mm. And something else. It's so scary. And I, and I, and I literally laughed. I said, mom, you and I have such different language. (laughs) Like, I don't see anything as scary. Like, am, is it interesting? Yeah, that's interesting. Is it fascinating? Mm. That's fascinating. I always look at it and like, okay, what am I supposed to learn from that? Like, okay, that's interesting. What, what perspective should I have? So for instance, like unemployment. So we, the Federal Reserve came out and said, you know, we're going to try to ri- raise unemployment to curb inflation. Like I had to read the article a few times and I was like, right. what in the heck? What? Like, that doesn't make sense to me, but we're going to write, you know, we're going to encourage unemployment to curb inflation. Now, if you heard that, most people would be like, holy cow, that's not good. I got excited because I was like the job market, like all of these people who no one wants to work. And the, the, like, I'm, I've been trying to hire people in my own firm and I can't find qualified people. There's going to be qualified people who are going to be hitting the street and I'm going to be able to find my guy. Mm. Oh or gal. It's going to be a guy though. I already, sorry. I already, I already heard that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I of course. already heard that. Of course. So, um, so I was excited. So higher unemployment. Great. I'm going to be able to find qualified candidates. I'm going to find some qualified people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that what we're looking at, I mean, I guess it's all perspective. Mm-hmm. So everything that I see happening, even though um, I'm excited about recession because that's where millions are made. Like I've been sitting on the sidelines, like waiting for this recession. And I'm like, here we go. Let's go play ball boys. Mm. Um, I think that the stock market, I think that, um, I think that the stock market is going to be very, very volatile. I'm hearing like, I think the S and P 500 is going to continue to slide until June through September of next year. Mm. Um, I think that we're going to be climbing our way out of this. It's going to take years. Um, and I really need to go back because um, Perry Marshall and I did, a, I don't know if we did a, we did some kind of Zoom call where I talked about what I saw going through 2030. Right. I think that, um, so we're in 2022. I think 2030 is going to be a really bad year as well. Like they're, they're 2020, like 2028, 29, 30. I just don't feel like they're going to be good years. Um, do I think that there's opportunity even in recession? I do. I think it's, I think that though, that your money's not going to be made in the stock market. Um, I don't know. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with F, the FTX failure and what happens as all of that kind of comes to light in the crypto world as well. It'll be interesting as the governments try to usher in their own digital currencies. I mean, look at, um, I was talking to Megan Macedo the other day and like Europe is cashless. The UK is cashless. Hmm. Like, you know, um, so I think that, I think there's going to be some companies that will not survive the recession, big companies. 
And I, so I think that to be on the lookout for that, um, I, uh, but um, I think this is a great opportunity to be a business owner though. That's good because that's what we all are. I know exactly. Right. <laughs> um, I think, you know, but here's the thing too, like, so here's one thing I had some, I, someone said to me, do you have a, so I was, I was coaching with someone and basically they just need to hang it up. And that's a really hard conversation to have with, with someone. Mm, right. Yeah. And they're like, well, do you have like a 10 point checklist to tell us like when we should know to hang it up? Mm. I'm like, wow, that's really great. That's a good question. I don't, I will, mm. I started developing one, mm. but I think that if we're looking at the world we're in, in the recession that we're in, if we are looking at it with eyes of opportunity, we're going to see that there's opportunity everywhere. Mm. And if we're cultivating a spirit and an atmosphere of stillness, we're going to hear from universe, from source, from spirit, from God, whatever you choose to call it, you're going to hear the, the, the opportunities you should pursue. And in your gut, oftentimes when, when we know our business is failing, if we're asking our question, is our business failing? We kind of already know the answer, but we're not, you know, in, 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 it's like one of those things like in, intuitively we know, but it hasn't, you know, it hasn't like filtered through the heart to actually intellectually know how to, that it's over. Um, and every, you know, and every, every company has cycles mm -hmm. as well. Yes. So I think it's also understanding how, how quick, like, when are we supposed to pivot? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, the, the way we used to do business is not the same way we were doing business in 2018. And I can no tell truth. you that the way we do business in 2022 will not be the way we do business in 2025. Yeah. So true. Which is frustrating to people because they want to find a pattern and want to, you know, okay, now, now I feel comfortable and they want to ride it out. But that is not, that's not the way the world works these days. Like you, you have to constantly evolve. That's just part of life. Mm -hmm. Evolution is built into the world and evolution is increasing. Mm -hmm. It's becoming mm -hmm. more rapid. You know, you don't have years in between things. You sometimes have months or days, unfortunately, where you have to make decisions and make choices. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could make a choice to try to run things the way it used to be, um, but that's not going to be the way that's going to help you move forward. Mm -hmm. And and also, we're not talking about, like, you, you get to define what you deem as success, too. You know, we're not talking about having to make a billion dollars. Like you get to define what success looks like to you um, and you make the choices that that lead you to that place. And Shannon's the type of person that you want in your corner who will help you get clarity on those things and protect you from bullies, uh, but also give you sound advice. I mean, when you look for an advisor, you don't want somebody that's going to tell you all the good stuff. You want them to be encouraging, Shannon, but you also will give them tough advice now and then, correct? Yes, always. <laughs> I don't sugarcoat much. <laughs> that you don't. Not at all. But that's why we love you. So, so that in that theme, yes, Bob, yeah. go. In the theme of not sugarcoating, I want to hear Shannon's rant. Yeah, we'll let you have the last word, of course, but not that you haven't ranted at all, but we, we just right. love to hear Shannon. Like, yes, give, give us give us some 
give us the full Shannon Stewart experience here in about 60 <laughs> seconds. Well, I think one of the things that I've been very irritated about lately to be in full transparency are people who practice attachment, mm. like, like attachment to old ideals, attachment to different things. Like people go down these rabbit trails that make no difference at the end of the day. Like my grandmother always used to say, when you close your door at night, the only thing that really matters is what happens behind the door in your home, right? And so I really try to practice non-attachment. Like I don't get triggered very often about many things. Now, I don't like bullies, but like for somebody to say something mean to me or cut me off in traffic or, you know, like something like somebody's different, a political view, I don't get triggered because here's the deal. I have no attachment to it. I am not going to give my energy to it because energy feeds it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that one of the things that I try to, when I work with individuals is when you have something showing up in your life and it continues to manifest in your life, it's because you are putting energy into it somehow. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one thing, if I got on a soapbox and I had device advice to give to anyone, I would be like, stop bitching and complaining about the life you have and realize that you're the creator of it. So if you don't like the results you're getting, you're the only one to blame. And, and another thing is no one's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. The government's not going to save you. Your mom's not going to save you. Your <laughs> husband's not going to save you. Your wife's not going to save you. Your brother. No one's coming to save you. You're, what The life you lead is 100% your responsibility. Show up. Take a stand. Do something. Just stop bitching about it. There are people that will support you, Shannon, correct? <laughs> yes. But you're saying don't wait for the savior, like manifest manifest the people you need to help you get to where you need to go. Recognize when those people come into your so like recognize when you need to level up and go find the experts you need to surround yourself because that's one of the greatest things I ever did in my business is when I wanted to go accomplish something, I went and hired someone who had already done it. Mhm. Like I took their 40 or 50 years of experience and I condensed it into my one year of consultation with them. But here's the thing, like it's not anybody's responsibility to come in and and help your business grow. You can bring in the expert. It's not their job to do the work. Yes. And growth oftentimes is the inside job. Mm -hmm. Because what you're manifesting in your business is often how you see yourself personally. So much truth to that. So much truth. Love it. Yeah. Shannon, it's always a pleasure. Tell us where uh where people can find you. Tell us how people yeah, tell us if you want them to find you. If you want them to find you, you know, there's that. Um, Right. So my accounting, my my tax strategy firm is advancedaccounting.com. If you'd like a memo from head office, it's Shannon spelled S-H-A-N-Y-N. So Shannonstewart.com. Perfect. Love Probably it. would advise getting a memo from Shannon. Um, quite enlightening, enlightening, quite fun. And uh, Shannon is my tax lady, and 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 I, I Shannon, I, I owe you like flowers or a Starbucks card with a lot on it because of my uh, my bumblings with my own tax stuff. So uh, thank you for continuing to be patient with me and and keeping me in line in that regards. <laughs> She just smiles at Brandon. She's, yeah, she's, like, she's, oh, yeah, I know. She's got a stick just, for me, man. Just she's a like, good little boy, Brandon. Oh, you, yeah, so. I know. She, yeah, I'm like, please don't right. leave me, Shannon. 
we'll close this properly then shannon uh thank you for your time we love you you. we appreciate you spending time and sharing the the shannon stewart experience with all of us today thank you thank you thank you for listening to the innovative founder with bob regnaris and brandon boyd a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder. Innovative Founder.